particular. We greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It's good to be here. I appreciate Brother Jeremy, you sharing this morning. It makes me kind of feel like um, I'm under the scope now, so to speak, but that's okay. I had a man tell me, a good friend of mine tell me, he says, you know, he says, you know, knowing somebody like you, you'll probably never go to college. And I said, no, I probably won't. He said, but he said, I would, in, I would encourage you to um, self-educate yourself. So read books, learn from people, talk to people, and, and, and learn how to educate yourself and to be a more, a better speaker, um, to, to be better at what you do whether it's working with your hands or whatever you do, because we as men, as we work with our hands and do what we do, our jobs, our occupations, if we don't know how, we're going to go find out. We're going to learn from people that know how and learn from people who have experience. So this morning, while we calm the nerves a little bit, I would like for you to stand. And in your book holder, there's this song that... Jeremy says we shouldn't go on a hobby horse, but I like these songs, so we, now we have a new theme song, and it's called There's a Fountain Free. And I like this song because the fountain is still flowing today. And I would like to have you think of like the Niagara Falls. It's not a fountain. It's a falls, but it is still flowing today. And I would just like to think about God's love and God's calling to you as you think about this song. There's still a fountain flowing from, you, from God. And it's free. It costs you nothing. So this is a well-known song. I like the words of this song. And um, it uh, has blessed my heart many times. So let's sing. <clears throat> it's song number 218 in this rat book. 218. There's a fountain free just for you and me. Let us hasten, hasten to the break. There's a fountain of love from the source above as he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come? Will you come just for you and me? 
Good to be here this morning, and uh, just to be here and to worship with the saints. And I, um, Brother Roger, asked me almost a month ago if I would take this Sunday, and I wasn't sure how it was all going to go. Um, we were invited to a wedding over in Idaho this past weekend. We ended up not going. And uh, it was on a Friday night, and I thought, well, it'll still work. If not, I'm going to, I'll just ask somebody else. And so, um, anyway, here we are this morning. But as I was thinking about what to share this morning, I just thought, um, Lord, what is your thought? What do you want to share? And uh, I had several experiences happen to me and this past week. Weeks that since he's asked me to share, and I thought, you know, um, there's a question that just kept coming back to my mind, and it was and it was this question. I'll try to. I, I have a different uh, question I'm going to ask this morning, but where is my security? Who is my security? Where is my anchor? Who is my anchor? And so here I have. Do I have, or am I building a strong foundation? A strong foundation meaning my faith. Am I building a strong faith that is going to endure the test of time? Now, I already have these little pre-sermon talks and so forth and so on, but we don't have time this morning for all that, so I decided to conglomerate it all together. This morning, we are going to build a tower, and we are going to try, and I'm going to try to, with you, to help you understand why it is important to have a strong foundation. A strong faith that is going to see us to the end. And if there's, there's ever a time that you wonder, am I going to make it to the finish line? You need to pick up the martyr's mirror. And I would like that you to ask yourself, how did these people, these men, these women, these children, see it to the finish line, burning at the stake, um, massacred in every inhumane way possible? How did they do it? There's only one way that I have to kill. Christ in the limelight. And Christ was their anchor. And God Himself and His mercy. They had Jesus Christ as their bedrock. So this morning, we're going to look at Christ as our bedrock for our faith, for our salvation. He is the answer to our problems. So this morning, as I was thinking, okay, what tower are we going to build this morning? And right away, been to the Sears Tower? Okay, there's been a few. How many of you have ever seen the foundation of the Sears Tower? You're not going to. You're not going to. But I'm just going to quickly give you some statistics of how the Sears Tower is built. And this, is, to me, is very amazing to me. Now, if you, I like mechanical things. So the Sears Tower was started in about 1970. It took them three years to build this thing. At the tune of 175 million to build this thing back in the early 70s, okay? They once had the tallest building in the world, and they held that title for 23 years. And today, right now in Saudi Arabia, there is being a tower built that is a thousand meters tall. That when it is going to be all totally finished, it will be a thousand meters tall. Math, math, mathematicians, get your calculator out, and you tell me how tall this tower is going to be. They are not done. It is going to be reality next year in 2020. Okay? They are the first one to reach the 1,000-meter mark. And nonetheless, this tower is in Saudi Arabia. The Saudis have lots of money. Nonetheless, the designer of this tower in Saudi Arabia is an American man by the name of Ardian Smith. The Sears Tower is supported by 114 pilings, these round, huge pilings bored down, down, deep into bedrock, 114 of them, guess how far they reach down to the rock? 
Anyone want to take a guess? A hundred feet down. So here we have this Sears Tower built on the, these, these huge, massive, circular concrete pilings that are poured concrete a hundred feet down into bedrock. There is enough of concrete in this building to pave an eight-lane eight lane highway for five miles long. There is enough of steel in this building to build 50,000 vehicles. It didn't say if we're building Ford pickups or Prius cars, it didn't say. But there is enough of steel in this building to, to, to build 50,000 vehicles. So I'm trying to get your mind wrapped around the massiveness of this building and how, why it stands and how it stands. And another thing it has, it has enough of telephone wire. And who wants to guess how many miles the telephone wire has? It has enough in there to go around the world, around the globe, that you live on for almost two times. That's how many miles of wire. It's actually one and three quarter. And this foundation that this building has, this tower has, is with a 60 mile an hour wind, which the wind blows at, at a tremendous amount at the top of this tower, which is 1,730 feet, 1,730 feet to the top of the antenna. And this tower moves about six inches in either direction. So it can move about a foot of scope. So what keeps this tower standing straight in the middle of Chicago? Okay. So I would like to ask you, what is the answer to why this tower stands? The foundation. The foundation. And I would like to suggest to you that there are times that are going to come in your life when the wind at the top is going to blow hard. The winds of adversity are going to come to you and what is going to keep you there? Your foundation, your faith is going to what's going to what see you to the end. And that is what I want to encourage you here this morning. Is your foundation bedded deep into the bedrock of Jesus Christ? These cement, these cement cylinders are added for stability so the building stands firmly no matter what the conditions at the top. So no matter what the conditions that you face at the top, you are going to stand. The, the foundation of your faith, you know, many times it's the working of your faith that, you, that people see is what you're rooted in ground, what you really like, is what your faith is all about. Right? And the same way with this Sears Tower. You know what? What you see at the top is that people look at the side and say, that is an amazing building. But you know what? They don't see the foundation. The foundation is down below. Nobody sees. But you know what? That is the anchor. You know what? But you see the workings of that anchor. It holds that building solid, firm. And isn't that how our faith is? Our faith in the bedrock of Jesus Christ, it holds us steady. It holds us stable. It it it. It weathers the storm. We may shake a little bit. We may waver a little bit at the top. But you know that foundation is going to hold us steady. It don't matter what's going to come. It's going to hold us there. And you know there's tens of thousands of people that come and visit that tower every year. Maybe millions. I don't know. But you know as they walk into that building, what an amazing structure. They look at that thing. But you know what? I guarantee that most of those people, if not all those people, probably most of them, maybe there's a few sprinkled in there like, like okay, well, I see all the top, but what's down here? I want to know what's down here. And they look at that structure, and they say, how? But there's a foundation that keeps it there. Let's turn to First Timothy, let's turn to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. Verses 15 and 15 through 15 through 19, and it reads like this: Second Timothy 2, 15 through 19. It reads like this: Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be shamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun fable and vain babblings, that they will increase unto more godliness. That their word will eat as a that doth as a canker. And who hath Hymenaeus and Philotius, who concerning the truth have errors, saying they that the resurrection is already past and overthrown and overthrown the faith of some. So some have become deceived by what was being taught. So as we 
We live in a world of chaos and there's many things that are not being taught that are true. Is it going to waver our faith? Are we going to buy into this? You know, there's many people in our day and age, we wonder, what happened? Why, why aren't they hanging on to the faith? Why aren't they being steadfast and, and sticking with the Word of God? We're buying into all these things, these modern, these modern, these modern thought processes. We're not. We're getting off the. We're getting off the rock. The the word of God. What it says. In verse 19, it says this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand assured, having this seal: that Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We'll talk about that a little later. You know, I talked about this before. Is your foundation strong enough? Your faith, is it strong enough? We are acceptable to conditions that surround us. We're, we, we can't, you know, there's things that are going to come in our life that, are, that, are, that we can't help, that we have no control of. The storms of adversity, the clouds of doubt. How many of us really live in doubt sometimes? We doubt this and we doubt that and we fear this and on and on we go. But is our foundation strong enough to keep us standing strong? Economical earthquakes. What would you do if everything was taken away? The winds of change beat against our buildings, our buildings, our, our lives, so to speak. To stand, we must be, have a strong foundation. There is no lasting, lasting success without a solid foundation. And you will find that in, in verse 9. We just re read this. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Standeth steady. That word sure means steady. It's not going to move around. You know, I have seen solid Christian people, you know, when, they, when, the, when the winds of adversity blow, they may, they may waver a little bit, but you know what? They're the same, and they just keep plodding on for God. Where are we at now? Jesus Christ is the real bedrock of our lives. If, we don't, if we're not building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we really have nothing to build on. You know, everything is just shifting around, sinking sand. Let's build on Christ. I talked to a man this week, well, this past week, and he told me his life story. And I specifically asked him, and he comes from, he said, he wouldn't say it was the ghetto of L.A., but he said, I have no clue who my dad is. He said, my mom had lots of men in her life. He said, I have brothers, half-brothers. said, they don't know. He said, there was always lots of men around. But this man had a faith in Christ that I was just like, you went through all these things. He went through his life story in a, in a nutshell and how he was saved and so forth and so on. And so I asked him this question. I said, how... Can you tell me how you got to where you are? I mean, can you tell me what kept you steadfast? How did you get to it? And he says, well, he said, he said, I was confronted. I was spoken to a man who was a Christian. He said, me and him, he said, he was also a drug addict. This man got, this guy got set free. This man got set free from drugs. He said, but you know what? He preached Christ. And just to show you that the words of Christ are powerful, what God said is powerful, that he used this man that was probably, you know, this, this is the words he used. He said, I got saved by a man that had demons in him. That's what he told me. And I was just like, how can this be? He said, it just goes to show who God is. He said, you know, he said, well, I go to church. He said, there are, there are people that, he said, we want to pigeonhole God. I'm like, okay, now you're preaching to the choir. You know, we want to pigeonhole God. He said, God is so much bigger than I am. And the next day he called. So I asked him. I asked him a question. He, and I said, yeah, I finally got to go. And the next day he calls me back. He said, now I want to finish my story. So I sat there and listened for the next ten minutes as he just shared his, his story to me. And, you know, his wife also comes from a home. She don't really know where she belonged in life, who her parents are, who her mom, she, I think she knew who her mom was. But they met at a young age. And they decided they are not going to repeat what they came from. And so they set their face toward 
seeking God. And I was like, amen. And this week, he told me he is going to go down into Mexico with his brothers that are not saved on a fishing trip. And his wife told him this. He said, when you go with your brothers, you be careful. Just as a word of warning. He said, my brothers, they need Jesus. And I'm like, amen. But you know, to face the winds of adversity, you have to have your faith in the bedrock of Jesus Christ. Is my faith in the bedrock of Jesus Christ? Let's turn to Luke 6. Let's turn to Luke 6. In Luke 6... Forty-six and forty and through uh, forty-nine, and it reads like this: And they, and why, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and hear these things and doeth them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man which built his house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock, and the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently, beat heavily upon the house that it could not stand, for it was founded upon the rock. So here we have a man who built a house, and he dug down, 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 down to the bedrock, so to speak. So when the winds of adversity come, his house, maybe it shook a little bit, but it stood standing. Now, let's see what the next verse says. He that, But he that heareth and doeth not is like that man. So are we going to be like the man who built his house upon a rock? Or are you going to be an individual who is like the man who did not hear? So if we're going to have a strong foundation, we have to do what the designer says, what the architect says. What if I start out today? What if I get a phone call this afternoon or tomorrow? Hey, I'm from so-and-so. Will you come and help me build a tower? I'm like, whoa. So we gotta have some we gotta have some direction, we gotta have some engineering skills and how we are going to build this tower, right? Right? You know what? I don't really feel like digging a hundred feet down in the ground. That is just ridiculous to build down, dig down for hundreds of feet and spend a year and a half working on a foundation. Hey, I wanna have people see what I have built. You think that'd work? You think that'd work? I don't think it'd work. Because many people we get in a hurry with our lives, and we want to get on with God. Maybe we need to spend more time reading and reading and studying God's Word before God can put you out there to build the tower. Maybe God wants to, you young men to get rooted and grounded in the faith of Jesus Christ and you young ladies before He puts you out there. Did you ever think of that? You know, there's questions that come to mind. Why don't God use me? There's people who push themselves to the front. Because they want to be used mightily of God. And yet maybe God wants to put them through his school first. You know, <clears throat> always be willing to go into reverse. Okay? So if we get into a place where, you know what, maybe I didn't really hear God's call and we have to go into reverse. Maybe we just need to shift it in reverse a little bit. So God can fine us, fine tune us, just a little like Moses of old. You know, he thought, you know what? God called me to deliver to the children of Israel. I'll get her done. Just watch this. He buries an Egyptian in the sand. You know what? If he was going to try to take all the Egyptians on, he'd have to bury a lot of people in the sand. But you know what? When we do it God's way, God, in one flash of a flood, it's over. The Egyptians, you know, what did Moses tell the Egyptian, the Pharaoh? Pharaoh says, get out of here. And I don't ever want to see your face one more time. It was a prophetic thing that, that the Pharaoh told Moses. And you know what Moses told him? I'm going to put it in my own version. And Moses told him, he said, you know what? What you said is going to exactly what's going to happen. So here we find the children of Israel motoring out across the desert. And then they get out there. The Red Sea before, the Egyptians behind. Now where do we go? You know, the people, was their faith in God shaken off? Was the wheels of their faith falling off? Yeah, I think it was. And Moses, be still and watch what God does. He's going to split the sea. The Egyptians, I mean, the, the, the children of Israel are going to go through and the Egyptians. But guess what? The water is going to come down on the Egyptians. And God says, you know what? I got it all under control. I got it all under control. And in one few minutes, the, the, the Egyptians were gone. 
Verse 49. He that heareth he that heareth and doeth not is like the man without a foundation built an house upon the earth, and against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. Can you imagine? We build this Sears Tower, and what does the, tech, this air, the, 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 the designer, the architect, decide? You know what? It's really not necessary to pound them rods. What if he would have decided, what if the guy in charge of the job would decide, you know what, 100 feet, it's getting hard down here. It's getting, you know, it's too hard going. It's too hard to dig in. You know what, 100, we'll go 75. We'll go 75 and call it good. We'll mark it. We'll, we'll check it on the box. We went 100 feet. But guess what? If it would have came down, then what? You know, well, then what? What, what, what would happen when the, when the winds of the, of those lake, lake, those lake effect winds would have come storming across there, and that Sears Tower, instead of moving 12 inches top, it would move five feet. You think that'd been scary up there? Woo. You know what? There are times in life when God wants you to bore down deep into His Word. He wants you to bore down deep into the bedrock of Jesus Christ to get your faith strong so that you can understand. The rock of Jesus Christ, and get this and get it good, the rock of Jesus Christ will never fail you. The rock of Jesus Christ will never fail you. A strong foundation that we allow for limitless growth in our spiritual lives. Growth is absolutely necessary to maintain our obedience to God. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Let's see what the Word of God has to say. 1 Corinthians 3. Now, after Jeremy's little exhortation, I tend to have a lot of bunny trails, okay? So I'm going to try to curve it a little bit. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you know what? There are many other people that have tried to lay foundations, and it don't work. We see many a call taking it. You know, it don't work. There's, there's many people that have tried to lay a different foundation. It's not going to work. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter chapter 3, verse 11, it says, for, for other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon the, this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. Verse 13. It says this. Every man's work shall be made manifest. Every word, every man's work will, will be showed up for what it is. That's what that word means, exactly what our teacher this morning has taught us. That's what that word means. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try, shall test every man's work of what sort it is. You know, you put fire to something, it's going to test what it's really made of. You put it in the fire, just like the three Hebrew boys. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, he got all revved up. He's going to say, you know what, we're going to burn these guys. But you know what? The fire proved what they were really made of. And Nebuchadnezzar, I can imagine, he's up off his throne looking in there. There's four in there now. Didn't we throw three in there? Now there's four. You know what? Those guys had the real thing. And I would like to ask you this morning, do I have the real thing? Am I just a facade? Do I have a false front? Am I real? When the waves of affliction come against me. The foundation of your life is critical. What foundation are you building on? Here's some ways to have a solid foundation. I'll just quickly read down what I have penciled. I have 20 minutes left. Have an open heart to what God wants you to do. And be as, as per his word. I'll read it again. Have an open heart to what God wants you to be as per His Word. You know what that means? Be a doer of the Word. Taken out of James 1, 22 and 20 through 27. Be a doer of the Word. Do what God wants you to do. Be a doer of the Word. You read it. God, how do you want me to carry this out? And I also understand there's a lot of different thought processes and how, you know, what are you going to do with what you read? God isn't so much interested that you carry it out exactly the way He... Yes and no. Let me clarify that. God wants you to have an open heart and a receptive heart to look into his word and to look at it. You know, here's what the Bible is teaching me, that I should not do these things or I should do them. So are you going to 
put your gear shift in park, or are you going to say, you know, God, I really don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to try to carry out what you want me to do. Okay? Are you willing to move forward with God? God, it's hard to steer a car that's not moving. Now, yesterday, there was a man. He had some problems with his car, so he had it up on all four wheels, up off the ground, and he was rotating these wheels by the engine, doing about 40 miles an hour, and he wasn't going nowhere. How many of us are Christians, are high-centered, and we aren't going nowhere? You know what I mean? Because our wheels are not in the foundation, on the ground. Okay. Number two, we have to have a clear vision. Have a clear vision. Have a hunger for God. Have a hunger for God. You know, in Proverbs 29:18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And that is exactly how it is. You have a person that has no vision. They are clueless. They have no clue where they're going. They have no vision for what they want. They are just out there. Do you have a vision for a solid foundation? Do you have a vision for what God wants for you? Taking out Amos 8. Read Amos 8, 11 through 13. Let's just take the time to read that. I think reading the Word of God is important. Let's uh, t- turn to Amos. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I think we always need to be honest. But, you know, my ability to find some of these minor prophets is kind of tough. So when I preach, I don't want to spend most of my time trying to figure out where to, where to find these little slice and dice uh, minor prophets in the Bible. So this is what I do. I write the page number on my notes so I can page right to it, and we can get it done. So in Amos 8, verse 11, it says, Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord God, I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north to the east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. In that day shall the fair virgins and the young men faint for thirst. There's a drought in the land. There's a dearth in the land. You know, don't, let's not become there. You know, we have every access to the Word of God. I've seen this morning, you know, I'm just, I'm just amazed at these people who can navigate on a computer like what we saw this morning. Now, he may say, well, that's just amateur. But to me, that's a big deal. You know, I do things the old way. I get the strongest concordance out. I do things the old way. There's a little bit that I do on a computer when I study, but not like that. So I was learning this morning. How can I do that? How can I speed up the progress? Here, here's a vision. A vision pulls you through the trouble, the problems, the pain. No vision. If you don't have a vision, no vision is like sailing without a compass. Now, can you imagine? We're going to stick you on a boat, and we're going to send you out in the Pacific. And now, I want you to go around the top of the world, and I want you to find um, Nome, Alaska. And you said, oh, well, I think it's, we kind of got to go this way. You know what? If you have no compass, and when there is nothing but water all around you, how are you going to find where you need to navigate? You know what? When I was coming home from China, I had on the back of my seat, had these little TV screens, and I had her dialed right into the navigation. That pilot, I'm going home. But you know what? In GPS, it showed me exactly the route where we were taking. And we were going home. We were going home. Are you sailing without a compass? Okay. The third thing, the third thing is to guard your heart. To guard your heart. Every morning, as I pray for my family, I pray two things specifically. Lord, help us to guard and protect our hearts today. Help us to guard our hearts. You know, the seed of adversity, it grows. What do I allow in the door? What don't I allow in the door? Am I guarding the heart? Guard the heart. Help us to guard our heart and our mind. Taken out of Matthew 2.35. A renewed heart makes godly choices. A renewed heart makes godly choices. Many great servants of God throughout history... Pass the test, becoming giants of faith. During the most dangerous and frightful times, these saints stood strong, believing. And as I wrote, as I wrote that down, I'm like, whoa, where do I stand? Where do I stand? During the most dangerous and frightful times, these saints stood standing. 
you know, here's here's some of these, and I just wrote down for them, Hebrews 11. There's we have we it talks and this is not all of them. It talks about Enoch. It talks about Noah. It talks about Abraham. It talks about Sarah. It talks about jo- Jacob. It talks about Joseph. It talks about Moses. Let's turn to that. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's just take a quick look at what it says. Let's start it. Let's plow in here about 25. Get the right chapter here. And it says, here it talks about Moses refusing to suffer. Re, re, let's back up here. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with God, with the people of God than, than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Choosing rather to endure trouble with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a little time. Am I willing to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a little time, or am I willing, you know, the average lifespan in, in, in America or in the world today is probably about 70 years, maybe, give or take, okay? But if you put that in the light of eternity, what does that look like? What does that look like? It's just a blip, and it's gone. It's gone, just like a passing. Talk, the Bible talks about it's just a vapor, gone. But these men, it talks about here, let's just read it. Let's uh, go on down to 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the store, out of weakness were made strong, waxed violent in fight, turned to flight the enemies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might attain a better resurrection. And 36, and others were in a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, the bonds of imprisonment. Would you like that? They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were sawn, and that word asunder means, you know, it's easy to think, well, they were just sawn down. But it, uh, let me reread it like this. They were stoned. They were sawn in half. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. And it goes on. For, of, of whom the world was not worthy, they wandered in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good report through faith, not receiving the promise. Can you imagine? All that. And yet, they, they stood strong, believing God. And yet, there are men that we read about in Scripture that they did not... They did not. They have sad. There's sad stories many times in the Bible. They did not. They did not. Um, they failed in their times of crisis. God has. A, God had the, the same plan for them as He had for those who endured. And my question to you: Are you willing to endure to the end? You know, we hear many times, well, it's too hard. You know, this and that and another thing. We have all these excuses and all these things that we wonder about. Well, why did they? Why did they fail? Why did? Why did they sit to the end? Why? You know what? Because somehow in life, we think it's not important. We'll talk about that a little later. We've got 10 minutes. And let's talk about Solomon. I'm just going to quickly read down through this because we're running out of time. Solomon was blessed with everything in life. God, and I'm just going to write down, I'm just going to tell you what I have penciled in here. Solomon was blessed with everything a life of serving God had to offer. He had a goodly heritage. He had a supernatural calling, a personal encounter with the Lord. His anointing was clear to all. God blessed him with, a, with wisdom and suppressed and surpassed all the world's wisdom. He, had, he was the wisest man that ever lived. Can you imagine to have that wealth of wisdom? But God gave it to him. You can read it in 1 Kings. In 1 Kings, you know, he, well, we'll talk about that. He, 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 was, um, he was renowned and admired throughout the world. The temple he built in Jerusalem was known as the grandest religious structure of its day. He wrote thousands of proverbs and songs. He was successful in everything he put his hand to do. Can you imagine? Here was this man that God anointed. But you know, the end of his story is different. The end of his story ends differently. 
Let's turn to 1 Kings. 1 Kings. And we shall see that his story ends a little different. In 1 Kings, let's, let's read a verse in, in 1 Kings 4. In 1 Kings 4, chapter 34, 1 Kings 4, verse 34, it reads like this. And there came all people, all nations, to hear the wisdom of Solomon for all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. Okay, let's go to 1 Kings 10. And here we find a queen of Sheba. In verse 1 it says like this. And when the queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. And she came to Jerusalem with a very great, great train, which, which camels which bear spices and every much and very much gold, precious stone. And when he had was come to when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. Solomon answered all her questions, and there was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom, and the house which he built, the meat of his table, the sitting of his servants, the attendants of his ministers, and their apparel, his cupbearers, and his, his accent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it is a true report that I heard in my own land thy acts, thy sayings, and thy wisdom. Howbeit, I believe not the words which until I came, and my eyes had seen it, and behold, the half has not been, was not told me. Thy wisdom and thy prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are the men. Happy are thy men. Happy are the, thy, these thy servants which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee in thy, on the throne of Israel, because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to do judgment and justice. Verse 10, And, and she gave the king an 120 talents of gold and spices, very much store and precious stones. And there came no more such abundance of spices as thee, which the king, queen of Sheba had gave song. So now here we have this rich man. He just got richer. He just got richer because here's this queen gave him more than what he needed. He gave him much more. In verse 12, And the king made of the Amog tree pillars for the house of the Lord and for the king's house, the harps and all sultries for singers. And there came no such <coughs> Amog trees were not seen unto this day. And King Solomon, verse 14, gave unto the queen of Sheba all her desire, everything she wanted, whatsoever she asked, beside that which Solomon gave her of his royal bounty. So she turned and went, into, went to her own country, and she and her servants. Can you imagine? I can imagine that, you know, by reading this passage of Scripture, that the queen of Sheba, she was awestruck with what she saw. I think she just left breathless. Can you imagine what this is all about? You know, this is all good. In the eyes of King, in, in her eyes, in, in King Solomon, in, in Queen of Sheba's eyes, I think she found a kingdom that was heaven on earth. It had everything. Can you imagine? I heard about all this. I wanted to come and see. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes. Let's turn to Ecclesiastes 1. And we're going to see a different side of, side, side of Solomon. We're not going to end here. And this is what he says. If you read down through the first, first 11 verses... And here, here says the words of the preacher, the son of David. I think the preacher was Solomon himself. In verse 2 and 3, it says, Vanity, vanity, saith the preacher. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. And then he starts asking these questions. What profit hath a man of all his labor was taken under the sun? One generation passes away, another generation cometh, and the Lord earth abideth forever. The sun rises and goeth down and hasteth to his place where he arose. The wind goeth toward the south and turneth about to the north. It whirls about. And he asks all these questions. The rivers run to from the sea, and the sea is not full. And on and on he goes. Why 
So I have, the, I have this question here. Why did he arrive at such a negative outlook? Why? You know, he had everything. You know, sometimes we think, man, it sure be nice if I could have you fill in the blanks. Don't we all go there? Man, if I could just be in that person's shoes, if I just had that, then I would be happy. You know what? No amount of money, no amount of success. Here we find a man who had everything and more than what he, he, he needed, and he still was not. You know, he... You know, you think about, you know, he rid the temple of the ministry of Abiathar. He was the unfaithful priest. He put in another priest. And in, second, in 1 Kings 3, 5 through 7, it talks about the humility. He says, you know, how am I going to judge these people? How am I going to tell them to come in and go out? You know, I, I just feel inadequate. He had this, this humble attitude. And now we come to 1 Kings 11, if you read. You know, things had changed for him. Now we come into 1 Kings 11, 1 through 10. Let's turn to that. We've got a few minutes left. 1 Kings 1 through um, chapter 11. 1 through 10. And you know, you, know, you might ask, why did he change? What, 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 what happened? And here, Solomon, he had a problem. He had a problem. He had all these concubines. He had all these wives. His lust for, his, to fill his lust of the flesh, and you know, it still didn't make him happy. They stole his heart, so to speak. But in verse 11, chapter 11, 1 Kings, first verse says, But King Solomon loved many strange women. And God had specifically told him, Do not take of the strange women. And, um, and so for, in the first verse it says, Together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites and the Hivites and the Edenites and Zodanites and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in into them, neither shall they come in unto you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. But you know what? Solomon, it says, It clave unto these in love. That word clave means he cherished. He cherished. These in love. And he had 700 wives. Can you imagine? He had 300 concubines. His wife turned away his heart. They turned away his heart. And I ask you this morning, who is your wife? And I'm not talking about your spouse. I am talking about the things that turned your heart away from God. Is your foundation strong enough as the wind blows at the top, so to speak, is your foundation that's down, down, down. Maybe you don't have a foundation this morning. Maybe you need to get a foundation. Maybe you need to study God's Word and get a foundation. God, how do I build a foundation that is going to stand the test of the times? When we think about Joseph down in that prison where he did not get bitter, he had a sweet aroma about him. You know, do I have that this morning? When the things of adversities of life come and I'm like, sound like a junkyard guard dog when I come home because things went all wrong. You know, we men sometimes go down that pathway. At least I do. And my children are like, whoa, what happened to him? You know, what happened to my dad? You know what? There's times when dad has to back up and say, you know what? I didn't do very good. That's okay, man. Let's just get honest with yourself. You are not perfect here this morning, and neither am I. The same judgment to, to um, and then in verse 11 it talks about what God told him. Because you did all these things, you, and in verse, verse 9 it says, in verse 8, you know, this is how low Solomon fell. It says, and likewise he did all, his, he, and likewise did he for all his strange wives, his foreign wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods, which worshipped their gods. And verse 9 says, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared on him twice. So God came to him twice and said, Hey, you got a problem. Your bedrock, I am not the bedrock anymore. Your wives have turned away you away from me. Now you are a God unto yourself because you are big in your power. You are big in your sight. I would like to leave you with this. The same judgment that come to everyone today who's, who is deceived by Solomon's state of the mind. The same judgment to everyone today who is deceived by Solomon's state of mind. Get that. They do not believe God will judge their sin. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God is going to judge sin. 
And there is a day coming that I'm waiting for that God is going to come back and He is going to clean house. He is going to be the author and the finisher. He's going to say what's going to go and what's not going to go. And I have one quote here for you, and then I have one, two verses, I have a few verses for you. So just stick with me. Here's a quote for you. I got this penciled in. Any Christian who, will, who, who won't forsake a besetting sin will eventually develop his own doctrine to excuse himself. Did you get that? And get this good. I'll read it again and get this. Any Christian who won't forsake a besetting sin will eventually develop his own doctrine to excuse himself. And you know what? You will find that over and over and over again. Well, and they go on this big path. Let's turn to 2 Timothy 4. I have some encouragement for you. I'm going to give this as an encouragement to you. 2 Timothy 4. And I shall read. And you know, I had a boy come to a man come to me, a young man come to me and say, and he said something about preaching, being a preacher, being a, a preaching God's word in my church. And I looked at him and I told him, I said, you know what, brother? I said, you are a preacher. We are all, those who name the name of Christ are all supposed to be preachers. And verse 2, it reads like this. This is what, this is what uh, Paul left. I believe Paul wrote this for Timothy. He says, Preach the word, be instant out, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, advise with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. For after their own, own lust shall they reap to themselves teachers having itchy ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, unto fiction. You see that all around. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Get this, Christian, get good. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Make complete proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure's hand. And now, this is encouragement. These last two verses I would like to give you as a, as a, as a piece of encouragement to you Christians here this morning. Can you say with all confidence, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not me only, but all unto all them also that love his appearing. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? And then verse 9, he just says, Do thy diligence to come unto me. And then he goes on down right. right. I would just like to encourage you. Have you 